Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the editor-in-chief of MDDI, an online publication owned by Informa. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be talking about clinician burnout and data overload and how GE Healthcare's Edison Digital Health Platform can address these issues. And here to discuss the impact the platform has been having is Fignesh Shetty, Senior Vice President and General Manager for Edison AI and the platform team at GE Healthcare. So without further ado, let's talk MedTech with GE Healthcare's Fignesh Shetty. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. I'm glad to have you on the program, Vignesh. Thanks, Omar. Thanks for having me. You know, I know we have this exciting discussion lined up. We're going to talk about the Edison Digital Health Platform. Uh, But before we get to that conversation, I want to talk about the current situation with data overload and clinician burnout. Um, These are two very real issues that the platform can tackle and issues that you're dealing in healthcare right now. That's a great question. So let me just break it down. The way I see it, currently, healthcare systems are experiencing massive fragmentation due to both disjointed data sources, but also siloed systems from incompatible vendors and other data collection, as well as collation issues. What that does do, Omar, is it leads to cognitive overload, which ultimately causes clinician burnout and suboptimal outcomes for the patients, like you said. And while the ongoing work to decode and solve the world's most challenging disease states is commendable, there is a tendency to build piecemeal solutions, which only add to the complexity. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean. Okay. One, the norm until recently, as you're probably familiar, for an MR technologist, is to make trade-offs between, say, the duration of an MRI scan, aka scan times, and what is technically called the signal-to-noise ratio, or effectively image quality. And the basic assumption all along has been it's a zero-sum game, which means that the longer the scan time, the better the quality. You can't get both. And the best that they could do was to make some tweaks to the protocol and tailor that to the patient morphology or even the clinical indication with the goal of minimizing recalls to the patient, having to call the patient back in because the quality of the image wasn't great. And all of this was true until Air Recon DL came along. And so Air Recon DL is really our advanced deep learning image reconstruction technology that works across a variety of anatomies. And what this does is it really offers clinicians a significant reduction in exam times. Right, which helps with both the patient experience and addressing today's backlog more quickly with impressive image quality. So I'll give you an example of an European-based provider who had done some research and knew that there could be significant impact around exam workflow if all of these improvements leveraging ARDL to its fullest were realized. And to quantify the impact after we deployed it, We used a vendor agnostic radiology application module called Imaging Insights, which looks at data straight from those machines, whether those are GE or others. And the results for the specific provider was a decrease in patient table time, the amount of time a patient, imagine a child, has to spend inside the MRI scanner, up to seven minutes while increasing patient access. 
up to an additional 29 patients per month per site wow. without running out clinicians in the interim in terms of having to call them back or image quality issues and what have you. And so that can be the difference between life and death if you think about it. This is a public health system. They care about reducing backlogs, the time to an appointment. So this is massive, 29 patients per month. And the second example, for example, I would give you is more operational than its outcome. Right? Okay. So this is where we helped a nonprofit teaching hospital in the U.S. Uh, carry out a 39% reduction in the ER or the emergency room patient wait times, resulting in about 22 additional patients per week. Now, this hospital had about, I think, 370 licensed beds and was seeing a volume of uh, approximately 119,000 exams per year, of which about 55,000, so almost half, were from the ED or the ER. So what we did was we worked with a RAD admin in this hospital. Let's just call him Jack. And, and he wanted to focus on two outcomes. The first was data rigor, to your earlier point. right? And what we did is with the data from the radiology analytics solution that we have and G's customer success team that enables change management, because we need both tools as well as process improvements, Jack understood the root cause was the following. right? Most of his technologists were entering, and this is that they have an outdated risk, um, and they were entering both the exam start and the end times manually into the risk at the same time. So it appeared from a reporting perspective that the exam took zero months. Why? Because the start time and the end time was the same because they were keying it in the same time. So what he really wanted was the exam times to be more reflective of the actual times it took for an exam. Why is this important? It helps him with evaluating the utilization of his assets. These are expensive assets he's got, CT machines, MRI machines, ultrasound machines, as well as planning for staff. You also wanted to use that data to set realistic exam time expectations or SLAs for the ED and assist with the justification for when exceptions or delays occur, when he can't hit those SLAs that he has signed up for. So what he did was we worked with his staff and explained to them that Entering in the, the exam start and end times accurately is critical because otherwise they were giving the impression that they were doing no work since it was a zero minute exam. And they, they can't have this conversation with their leadership team because the impression the leadership was getting is that they need less stuff, as in reality they needed more. This resonated with a lot of his technologies and that fixed the process issue. Right? Once he did that, once the data rigor aspects saw improvement, Jack's next step was to ensure that the radiology department was providing the most efficient service to the ER. So he began tracking something called patient wait time, right? which is really the time from an exam order to an exam begin, as well as patient throughput, which is exam order to exam complete for both his CT and his DR modalities, because those modalities had the highest uh, ER or the ED volume. right? And yep. what he was able to do by measuring and tracking this metrics over time uh, and armed with this knowledge, they were able to change both processes and uh, coach people to prioritize ER patient activities. And that led to about three patients per day or 22 patients per week in additional exams to be performed, which is massive in an ED. It really saves lives. Oh, oh wow, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, different. I, I, I want to talk a little bit um, more about Edison now and and talk about the Edison digital platform and, and how it can really, really get to the root of addressing these issues with burnout and data overload. Sure. And 
the examples I just gave you were applications that use elements of the Edison digital platform over. So at okay. the outset, I want to tell you that building application software okay. without a platform is like going about your day without electricity. It's yeah. theoretically possible, just much less effective and less efficient. So the Edison Digital Health platform really at its very simplest can help making apps from multiple developers easy to integrate if you're a caregiver or a provider in a hospital, whether that's a community hospital, a super speciality hospital, a clinic close to a patient's home, it really doesn't matter. Right? Now, why is this important? Because healthcare providers simply don't have the resources to individually integrate each of these apps and algorithms. Then there's a slew of them being marketed, as you know, right? and managing their sourcing, their down selection, figuring out which one's the, the best suited for the job at hand, the billing, the invoicing, the lifecycle management, the upgrades, you know, the integration, all of that is just too much for them to do on a case-by-case, app-by-app basis. So what the platform really does is it enables workflows, which is not just a collection of siloed apps, but an integrated workflow that caters to how people do their work today, right? Because each workflow in each hospital is different. And then it's interesting, and the goal of the platform is focusing on a solution space where you solve the totality of the customer's problem, not just part of it. And that is really in a sense of an integrated system. Like one of our clinical partners said, reading images is 20% of my job, and that's the part I enjoy. <laughs> Help me with the remaining 80% G, right? Now, for a developer of an application, the platform also brings some built-in advantages. One, as you know, G's uh, install base is huge. So what that means if you are a developer in a, in, a, in a startup or a garage or anywhere in the world is you can reach virtually every healthcare system on the planet overnight. And we also help you solve the last mile by integrating your app into an existing clinical workflow. Now that's the simplest way to describe what the Edison Digital Health Platform aims to do well and often. One of the things I, I, I wanted to bring up and mention is it seems as if we have all of these technologies, all of these apps um, by different developers that are talking to each other. And there's just all this chaos that ensues uh, in hospitals and in healthcare facilities. I think that's the the, the primary argument or, or, or the primary crux of, of, of what Edison can do and what Edison can handle. Um, with all these with all this conflict um I, i'm wondering how are how are physicians how are clinicians just able to to just deal with this i mean the burnout rate must be enormous oh it absolutely is and like i said there's both anecdotal evidence as well as market research that substantiates exactly the assertion just made over and that's why they're coming to us saying don't just give us applications give us means to reduce the amount of decision-making I have to do on things that aren't enabling the patients to see direct outcomes, right? Take take the, the mundane out of my life so I can focus on looking the patient in the eye, empathizing with them, and delivering the highest value of care I could offer. That's really what they're looking for. Understood, understood. I want to talk about now, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about just this artificial intelligence and machine learning explosion that we're seeing in healthcare right now. I know we started seeing it a bit before COVID um, in 2018, but now it seems to really be hitting its stride. Um, 
what are you seeing? And, and am I accurate in this? Um, was 2018 a year that it really started picking up? And, and are we really off and running now after COVID? I would I would agree with that broad assessment, Omar. And and effectively, what you're really saying is, why is right now why is now the right time for this conversation? Yes. And, and, and the answer really, I think, has two components. One is technology inflection that have occurred in the last few years. And what I mean by that is uh, the availability of both relevant data, real world data, as well as uh, the industry's increased ability to generate synthetic and variety-driven data to simulate all possible outcomes, right? as well as the advent of cheaper compute and storage in the cloud, as well as on-prem, our technology inflection points that were a prerequisite, and it's all coming together. The other one, of course, is adoption inflections, and you touched upon it. 2018, and then accelerated by the pandemic, what we've seen is a greater focus on A, workflows and operational outcomes. Now, the interesting thing about these th uh, workflows is that these are typically tacit knowledge that's in an expert's head. Now, if, these lend themselves very well to AI, which is in the business of looking for patterns and learning through data. It's like an apprentice, right? An, a digital apprentice, if you will. It doesn't do as well with static, well-defined rules, which problems are fairly cut and dry. And there's also um, more proactive regulation, as well as a drive to value-based care that has started to align incentives. And what the pandemic has done is made virtual care and telehealth possible. And enough people now are comfortable with virtual care, which fundamentally means they're more comfortable with using digital tools, both providers, payers, as well as patients. Right? And then what that means is, and with the proliferation of smartphone applications, all of this is resulting in the perfect storm. And I say that in a good way, that's yes. pushing the change. And now that said, both optimism and pessimism always overshoot because that's the only way to know the boundaries of either is to tend to go past a little bit past them. So the question then becomes, which I think you're asking as well, is how do you look for diamonds in the rough and not get caught up in the inevitable buzz around AI? Typically, you know, companies, uh, the cycle. So mm -hmm. one heuristic we use is that any successful technology, and AI is no exception, goes through several stages before it goes mainstream. It starts with an idea, then there's a plethora of funding that chases these few ideas. Then there's a few proof of concepts leading to exponential growth and then ultimately mainstream usage. Now, exponential growth is relatively rare. And if you're talking at the uh, unit of an individual startup or, a, or an app, and it typically happens when you see real traction as well as engagement from users. And the more users use it, it makes it better, not worse. Right? So making this stage a filter helps you as a provider avoid wasting hours exploring every new technological breakthrough and product announcement because a lot of them will never turn into anything sustainable. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your role in, in GE Healthcare for a second. How has it been impacted or how has it changed with the field of AI and machine learning? I understand that you know, this is very fluid. Uh, we're not where we were two or three years ago with artificial intelligence and machine learning, because of course they're developing and, they, and they're growing as well. But how how have you been able to keep up with that and, and keep up with the trends and, and how has your position changed? Sure. So I, I, what I do is I lead a product and an engineering team that really focuses on building the Edison Digital Health Platform, which is really a set of healthcare specific services 
that enables the outcomes we talked about earlier in this chat, uh, Omar. Now, those could be clinical and operational AI based. And by AI, I mean both machine learning and deep learning based uh, retrospective, predictive, and prescriptive applications. These applications can either run on a G device, aka a CT, an MRI, an MI, an X ray, a women's health, an ultrasound, or a bed monitor machine on the edge or on a cloud or even a data center for a variety of these clinical outcomes. And, and the other goal, we have both a data science team that I have that's incredibly smart, well-informed, and close to the customer, which is how I keep up to your specific question, as well as a, a, a good mix of ML engineers, data engineers, and software engineers that complement the data scientists, as well as folks from the healthcare industry, because you really need to understand the domain, not just bring technology to bear for it to be effective. And if we do our job right, and in the uh, time will tell, is that we will look to reducing both wait times, appointment times without sacrificing clinical quality. But just as important, right, as the clinical diagnosis, improving the accuracy of these algos, those are means to an end. Can we increase access to patient care? And can we increase access to scanners, improve their utilization, as well as improve patient safety? Because a healthcare platform supports really a set of services, both AI and otherwise, to enable applications which will allow us collectively as an industry to prevent disease or cure more patients, connect people and data to create new knowledge and transform healthcare by developing both new and vetted end-to-end -end AI algorithms and other innovative solutions to improve care, which is really what a lot of my AI team does. So what we do is we leverage AI to codify tacit knowledge, both for patients and for our employees, and help scale clinical and organizational knowledge to reach diverse people in far corners of the world. And when it comes to deployment of AI, a key emphasis for us is to ensure safety and efficacy over time as algorithms adapt and evolve. And that's a key focus for our team, right? Because you need to do a continual evaluation of the performance of these algorithms in production. It's one thing to test it in training. It's nothing to make sure it performs as intended in production and monitor it, as well as assessing the need for reapprovals of specific AI solutions as inputs come from the field. Let's say you get a feedback that it isn't performing as well. How do you update the model, get it approved compliantly with the FDA or other authorities, and then make sure it's redeployed as quickly as possible? And most importantly, for AI to be effective, it needs to be seamless, invisible, which means it needs to be built in an existing workflow. You don't want to learn and unlearn what you do today just to use this application. It should integrate as easily as possible without having to change uh, uh, a habit for a human being, right? And then its goal is to uncover patterns, which is really what I call uncovering the unknown unknowns that are missed by humans. That's really our broad objective. You know, you mentioned something earlier on in the conversation. You were talking about the cloud, and I automatically start doing some research uh, about when the we first heard this concept of the cloud, and I think it became popular. Uh, there's some debate over it, but it became really popular in 2006, um, the cloud as we know it. And, and it goes back to the question that I just asked you, how have just things changed? And just these concepts of cloud, you know, 
data entry points. They're they're just so amazing. I'm wondering if you, when you first started your career, could you ever have imagined us getting to the point that we're at now? And 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 asking you that also, how does one prepare for that? How does one prepare for something ever changing like this? <laughs> well, so the short answer to your question, Omar, I had no idea, and I would be lying if I said this was as deliberate as I made it sound. A lot of serendipity, right? Now that said, uh, uh, what we really tend to do, and most organizations do this across industries, is keep our eyes and ears very close to the ground, work closely with our customers, and look for macro trends across industries. So while we are in healthcare. It's interesting how once you understand the basic concepts of any industry, it pays to look for ideas across your adjacent industries and then identify common kernels of truth, right? Because that gives you a better sense of how the world is working and more importantly, how it's evolving. And you can you can learn a lot of things fairly quickly by just studying, understanding which of this is applicable to our space, which of this isn't and then sort of harvesting these major trends, AI, cloud being clearly two of several. Yeah, I, I can I can only imagine, I can only imagine. I wanna switch gears now and discuss uh, GE and the MDEA awards, um, and you were pretty successful. Uh, You're pretty successful with MDEA recently, and I wanna talk about that for a minute and about the recognition and what that might mean for sure. you all. Yeah. So, so GL Care, as you know, fast-tracked several solutions over the past few years in response to the urgent needs, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, three of these innovations were recently awarded the Medical Design Excellence Awards. And one was the Reader's Choice and the Bronze Award winner, which was the CT in a box in the radiological imaging and the electromechanical device category. The second was the Silver Award winner, the Oregon Capacity System from the Command Center, an application I absolutely love, which was in the digital health products and the mobile medical apps category. And there was a finalist, which was the Mural Virtual Care Solution, again, helping L&D and other segments in the digital health products and the mobile medical apps category. Now, all three of these solutions were designed to provide hospital systems with greater efficiency as well as diagnostic confidence while improving access at the same time to real-time data. So we we are honored as a company to be recognized for our team's outstanding product design, digital innovation, as well as the engineering work, particularly during our time when our customers needed us the most. Yes, and, and it is a prestigious, you know, awards, uh, an award, uh, and, and it's amazing that you all were able to rack up just just three of them that you know that says a lot about what you're doing what ge healthcare is doing um how you're so transformative and to have others give you that recognition in the field that that that's amazing thank you yeah i want to talk now a little bit i want to go back and talk about the edison health platform and i want to gauge where you think the platform will be in the next five years from now. And with the potential for machine learning and AI, I can only imagine that, you know, it'll be a lot of it will be the same, but it will be radically different because of all the learnings and 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 just all of the development that's going uh, on with 
artificial intelligence and machine learning. That is true. And, 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 and let me tell you this. We have a secret hidden in plain sight. Okay. On a more serious note, the best ideas really come from things that are so well known that they aren't well seen. So our strategy on how to evolve the platform is really based on some timeless principles, Omar, that has served us and others well. So we, what we're going to do is we're going to continue to work closely with our customers so we can deeply understand their needs, both their articulated needs and what we observe, but aren't necessarily articulated as well, to provide better patient care. And as, as we announced earlier this year in March, and I know you covered this, we are recruiting healthcare providers selectively and ecosystem participants to help evaluate the Edison Digital Health Platform in a production setting. And based on this, we are always looking to evolve both our products as well as our solutions to reflect those customer feedback. Now, what is the sort of specific feedback that we're looking for that will shape the trajectory of the platform the next one, three, even five years? We're looking for what do customers consume and and cherish the most because it's one thing for them to adopt it but do they like what they're doing and do they cherish it and that does it become an indispensable part of their working lives remember i talked about ai being invisible and integrated into your workflow because you don't want to unlearn how you do it today and then have to learn how to use this new shiny ai application it needs to be invisible right exactly yeah and now and the second thing we look for is are more people using it and are the existing people using it more? And thirdly, related to both of this, does it get better as both the traction and this engagement increases? And so because that means that does it scale better? And then what we, we are also at the same time on the lookout for some red flags because you want to look for disconfirming evidence as well, which is where is good performance? If you've done some well in the past, is that performance in, uh, running the risk of increasing our confidence? more than it improves our ability or our impact. Right? And those are red flags that we want to avoid. So, so we sort of look at all of this and figure out where we want to double down. Now you touched upon AI. Now I'll, I'll tell you what our general thesis on AI is and where we're making investments. Right? We strongly believe that AI is central to building a future where healthcare is both personalized, prevention-oriented, and affordable. And we can make a difference to patients and providers in moments that matter by offering both prescriptive as well as predictive AI-driven insights to help healthcare providers improve both their clinical as well as their operational outcomes, right? And, and so fundamentally what that means is you're going to have a, have a strong collaborative ecosystem which becomes critical when you're developing AI solutions because no single company, not even GE Healthcare, can do this alone. So a lot of our platform as well as G Healthcare's Edison Accelerator program, which started in 2019, enables the creation of this agile ecosystem. And this is a win-win because now a developer would have access to enterprise-grade healthcare services with very little upfront investment. And something that is a proven set of services, given that G Healthcare itself has been the first and the most demanding customers, are ultrasound, imaging, uh, you know, uh, uh, bedside monitor businesses, all of them use the same services for their products. 
Interesting, interesting. It blows my mind sometimes when I think of how far we've come uh, with AI, with artificial intelligence and the applications that it can be used for in machine learning as well. And five years from now, uh, the, the field will be wide open and it will look completely different, just like it was different five years ago from uh, t today, you know, five years prior. Uh, so it, I, I can't wait to see what happens with this. Me too. That makes two of us so much. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on to the program. We really appreciate you, you being here. Thanks for having us. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. Thanks again to our guest, Vignesh Shetty, Senior Vice President and General Manager for Edison AI and the platform team at GE Healthcare. And please visit us at mbdionline.com for all of your MedTech news. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast.